It is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart. And it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but you also have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory and no one gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out in fact that you are not only doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every other single woman out there tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll just representing women, then I don't even know. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism. Today, listeners, we are talking about the Barbie movie. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism. Conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. What is happiness? How can you be happy? Is anyone really happy? Is it different for men? Is it different for women? What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a woman in the modern world? Is it different than it used to be? And what do romance and marriage and children have to do with it? Do they hold women back or do they empower women? Do they give meaning to their lives? Can a woman do it all? Should she even try? And what about men? What about the patriarchy? Is the relationship between the sexes doomed to always be confrontational and competitive? Do you guys ever think about dying? These are the questions that are brought up by the biggest movie of the year, the Barbie movie. I wasn't going to do an episode on this movie, and then it just blew up. It became huge, and everyone was talking about it. And I kind of assumed, like, ah, this is just kind of going to be a silly toy movie, or maybe it'll just be something that's, like, totally political, bashing you over the head with, with all these political ideas that Hollywood wants you to believe. And then I kept hearing people I know and respect talk about the movie. And so I went to see it and wow, I was really blown away and I knew I had to do an episode on Barbie. And I was thinking, who could I get? And a friend of mine recommended Julian Larkin, who is the founder and director, executive director of a nonprofit for young women called Girl Talk. And I am so glad that we got connected. You're really going to appreciate what she has to say. She also has a background and is training right now in mental health to become a therapist. So you're really going to... I think learn a lot and enjoy this conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. If you don't know who I am, I am Mike Tenney, Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching in Catholic high school theology and also trying to make it big as a rock star. And now I'm blessed to speak and lead music for thousands of people each year at 
events all over the place and through this show, Pop Culture Catechism. This is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music and movies where we look for God's love in the media that you're plugged into. So then when we unplug and go back out in our lives, we put our phones away, we can actually see God's love and know God's love and live God's love in a deeper way. So that's our promise for you listeners. By the end of this episode, you're going to have some real tangible, actionable ways that you can know God's love and live God's love in this world, even this crazy world that Barbie describes. And so that's what we're going to dive into today. A special thank you to our patrons that make this show possible through popculturecatechism.com and to our sponsor for this episode, catholicmerch.store, where you can get a lot of awesome Catholic merch that supports all the efforts here at Awaken Catholic. I want to welcome to our show, our guest and founder and executive director of Girl Talk, Julie Larkin. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. I'm super excited to be here. Me too. Uh, tell tell us about yourself. I, I'm, it's crazy that I'm on an episode talking about Barbie. Never thought that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell, tell us who you are for those that don't know. Sure. So I'm Julie. I, I started Girl Talk a little over a decade ago. Um, in college, I was just meeting lots of young women who were really caught in what we call the crisis of self-worth, a lot of self-doubt, mm. insecurity, um, shame, lack of self-compassion, all of this, right? And the, the underlying theme with all of these girls that I met was that they felt so alone in their struggle, mm. right? They were searching and seeking, but they felt totally isolated. Um, and it really all came to a head when I encountered um, a young woman, a freshman girl who attempted suicide, who attempted to end her own life. And that was an extremely powerful moment in my own life and for the creation of Girl Talk to help women and inspire them to know that you are not enough. You are enough. <laughs> You're not alone. You are completely yeah. enough, worthy and loved. Um, and so just to give women the support and the sisterhood that they need to walk through these trials, the everyday trials and suffering that's out there, which is what I see in Barbie as well. That's awesome. And so uh, as I understand the, the work of Girl Talk, you guys do, do workshops, you have a podcast. Tell us a little bit about how you get this message to young women. Yeah, absolutely. At Girl Talk, we're all about meeting women exactly where they are. So these days that's Instagram. That's, that's podcasts, right? We're, we're right in our phones. We're exactly where, where we live and breathe and talk and, and think and get our ideas. Um, so we're on the phones, we're on social media. Um, we have our podcast going out. We're also all about being in person and rebuilding those intimate personal connections. Um, so we actually started with what we call a coffee house where 40 women gathered together in a college lounge with pillows and blankets and chocolates and lights, the whole bit. And just really saw each other and listened to each other, shared real vulnerable stories. Um, so it, we kind of popped that bubble, that perfectionist bubble of, mm. oh, that's the super pretty girl over there. And she she has no idea what I'm going through in my struggle. Or that's the straight A student. And I'm really struggling to get through English over here. You know, all of these different components where we just kind of saw and appreciated women exactly where each other were. Um, so now we host those coffee houses kind of all around the country in middle schools, high schools, colleges. We have programs for young professionals, moms. Uh, we just really want to inspire women with the message that they are loved to have self-compassion and to share that compassion and love with their sisters. That's awesome, man. I feel, I feel like Barbie in this movie needed a girl talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go to Barbie land and do it, do a seminar that would have a, have a coffee house. That would have been awesome. Seriously. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And I think it's also great that you're training to become a therapist. I've, I feel like every, almost every other guest on that I've had on this show, but not that much, but a lot, I've had a lot of like counselors and therapists on awesome. this show. And I think it's great that 
the the Catholic world is I feel like there's kind of a renaissance of integrating spirituality and mental health. And I think it's been a really healthy thing. I think if you exclude either one of those, some really harmful bad things can happen. And so I see the integration of spirituality with psychology being really, really helpful for a lot of people. So um, I'm, I'm glad you're investing in, in that as well. Absolutely. All right. So our topic today is the movie Barbie. It's the biggest movie of the year. This is from Wikipedia. It says Barbie is a fashion doll created by American business businesswoman, Ruth Handler, manufactured by Mattel and launched in 1959. The toy is a figurehead of the Barbie brand that includes a range of fashion dolls and accessories. It's been an important part of the fashion doll market for over six decades. Mattel has sold over a billion Barbie dolls. Um, and it also now has a multimedia franchise. There's lots of like animated movies and TV shows, but this is the first live action movie. And it was directed by Greta Gerwig, uh, who's a very famous director. She's going to be doing the new Narnia, Narnia series on, on Netflix soon. It stars Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, who is Ken. And it follows the pair on a journey of self-discovery following an existential crisis, which is not what you would think a Barbie movie is going to be about. <laughs> but that's what it ends up being about. So before we dive into some of the spiritual themes, I want to talk about just artistically as a movie. What do, what do we like about this movie? Do you want to kick us off? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the creative artistic touches were so fun, right? You think Barbie, toys, plastic moving kind of awkwardly, not humanly. Um, I loved the uh, the touches. Barbie would go to her fridge and, and get a drink out, but there's, there's nothing in the drink. You know, there's no water in the shower. Um, the musical numbers were so fun. So uh, fun. The colors, the outfits. I see you're representing the Hawaiian shirt like Ken today, Mike. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of it, right? Yeah, I think try, that... try to decorate the studio in little Barbie. But anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> Just really fun, artistic, creative choices. There were so many times where I was laughing out loud in the theater just because they nailed it, right? Especially, you talk about the sisterhood in the coffee house. I love when Barbie goes to her her Barbie Barbie dream house and all her girlfriends are there. And it's, it's girls' night, you know? And of course, of course it's girls' night. You know, there's more to say there, of course. But I just I just smiled at all those little artistic touches. Yeah. And the kind of the stereotypes for the men as well. And like, you know, beach can is always, he's got ridiculous outfits and just, oh, yeah. and, and the, uh, I, I forget the name for him, but the, the, the guy from, um, Shang-Chi, I think, uh, Simu Lu, the, the, he's like the yeah. rival Ken. Yeah, he's, yeah, I yeah. think he's so good in that role. And, <laughs> oh, he's uh, great. I, I think there's a lot of, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but there, there's so many things about men that I just think is like, that's really funny. <laughs> oh, hilarious. And even that, yeah. that the rival Ken, they're all called Ken and they're all called yeah. Barbie. Uh -huh. Just love. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. it. I think it's really well cast. Like so many of the people in the movie, it's like, this is the perfect person to get Margot Robbie, to get uh, Ryan Gosling, to get Will Ferrell, oh, yeah. uh, America Ferreira as, as Gloria. I think it's, it's, it's brilliant. So good. Um, and something that I really, really liked is that uh, it's not preachy. It doesn't, mm. doesn't come across. I, I hate movies when they're like, beat you over the head with like, this is the point I am trying to make. And you are going to know what I think. And this is it. And mm -hmm. instead it basically like cracks open a bunch of cans of worms. And it's just like, here's the problems. What are the answers? You know, it gets you thinking in a, in a, in a much deeper way. It doesn't like bash you over the head with a certain ideology. It's kind of like, here's a bunch of questions, you know, here's this view of Barbie. Here's this view of Barbie, yeah. this view of men and women. And I, I think it does that really, really, really well. 
So. Totally. I mean, even think of Mike, what you just said about you weren't sure you've been going to go see the movie, but then all yeah. these people you respected had different thoughts. Same for me. I mean, I heard from so many conservative friends and so many liberal friends and so many men, so many women, different hot takes and people I expected to love it, hated it and vice versa. And there's just so much to consider. And I think that's a movie really well done when you do have a lot of thought provoking material. Yeah. The soundtrack is also like awesome. Oh. They got Lizzo and Dua Lipa and Billie Eilish and there's the Indigo Girls, which is a, a throwback to like when I was even like in elementary school, that was Love when it. Indigo Girls were popular. My older brothers had like all their CDs and, and stuff and, and Heim. There's, the soundtrack is rocking. It's so, so good through the whole thing. Um, so I really love that I as well. I was just listening this morning, pumping up. <laughs> nice. Uh, some of the jokes are so funny. Like th at one point they have like depression Barbie, you know, oh. anxiety ridden depressed Barbie. She comes with sweatpants and eats through a family sized bag of Starburst until her jaw hurts and then watches the BBC's Pride and Prejudice. Like it's just like everybody in the theater lost it. I died. I died. It was, that's <laughs> crazy. Pride and Prejudice, BBC version, always the BBC version. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. They were so good with every cultural reference for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. I went to see it with my wife, Maddie and her sis her little sister, Renee, who, who, you know, and the two of them just the whole time were just like <laughs> hitting each other and laughing and just it was really really it's funny the best. um was there anything artistically that you didn't like okay actually i do have a thought with this but a friend kind of may have debunked it remember i was saying i liked the the barbie movement that it was yeah. you know a little bit more stilted i wish mm -hmm. they would have maintained that i felt like there mm -hmm. was such a crossover of like is this a real world is this barbie land Mm -hmm. But a friend of mine said, no, that was the whole point that throughout the movie, you're kind of watching this progression that the Barbies mm -hmm. are becoming more human-like, or at least Barbie is. And um, I thought that was really interesting, but I, I wish yeah. there maybe have been a little bit more focus on keeping that like kind of stilted toy motion yeah. in mm -hmm. Barbie land and then way more fluid in, in the real world. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Something that uh, the, the girls, the ladies I went to see it with that really rubbed them the wrong way was the opening sequence, which was a reference to the, the famous old movie from the 60s, 2001, A Space Odyssey, which the opening scene is like these monkeys and then the, or like or in the desert and then this huge like metal monolith appears and they all touch it and then they like start fighting and that, that's supposed to be something that like starts human civilization, basically. Mm -hmm. And they do a parody of that in this movie and all these girls playing with dolls, but then the Barbie, like the Barbie doll, this huge Barbie doll is the monolith. And then the little girls playing with dolls starts instead of sm fighting and smashing bones like the monkeys did, they're smashing their baby dolls. And I understood it as a reference because my dad was a sci-fi geek and made me watch that movie growing up. And I was like, this is hilarious and a great cultural reference. But my wife and her sister didn't know that movie. And mm -hmm. they thought it was mm -hmm. like for them, it made them think of like infanticide and abortion oh. Oh, yeah. and like if, like, cause it's really violent and I didn't see it in that way. I was like, Ooh, I could see like how you might think that if you didn't know this reference. And so that really put a sour taste in their mouth right from the get go that like this movie is going to be anti-child, anti-motherhood in like a, a, a serious way. And we, we could talk about whether that's true or not, but it, sure. it kind of soured them in some way for the, for the rest of the movie. And then they were kind of like, okay, th th this is all right. But what was with that opening scene? <laughs> so yeah, I, I think yeah. that caught some people off guard. For sure. So, well, and I think that goes into, we can definitely go deeper into that in a bit, mm -hmm. but I think that does reference your point of like, what is the film trying to say? What was the point? Yeah. Was it just a cultural mm -hmm. reference on the sci-fi movie or, mm -hmm. or was it trying to say something deeper about motherhood and children and the role of women? 
Yeah, so let's let's dive into some of these themes. So first of all, we got to talk about Barbie herself. What do you see as Barbie's journey in this movie? Like, what are the, what are the key things she's struggling with here? Yeah, I think she's on a great journey, right? She she has this perfect life, and she thinks everything is great. She has no she has no problems. She's got the boyfriend. She's got the great job, the great house. Like everything is perfect, right? kind of what a lot of women aspire to in terms of perfection. Whatever I idealize in my life, if I attain that, got it. I'm great. Mm. But then, of course, what kicks this off, the, the massive, beautiful, fun party that she's having with her, her friends, do you ever think about death? And the party stops, <laughs> right? So she has these, these, you could say suicidal thoughts, but you could also just say existential question, like mm -hmm. thinking about, life and why we're here and the journey of it all. Um, so I think for Barbie, she's just questioning her identity and her mm -hmm. existence. Yeah. And we've, we've already used this word existentialism twice. I, I used it once and, and, and you used it once. So for those of you that have never studied this in any way, the, the term existentialism was a, a philosophical movement. Um, and so some of the famous philosophers like John Paul Sartre and, and, uh, I'm forgetting the other names because it's been too long since college. But basically, the idea of existentialism is that the the the, the quest for meaning in the world is kind of up to you. Like you kind of have to make your own meaning. Like you have to kind of come up with your answer. There is no one answer. There, like it's not like Christianity is true and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Existentialism is more like, well, that might be true for you, but you know, some, basically you just got to find your own meaning and it doesn't really matter too much what it is, but you just got to find it. And that's what you see Barbie and Ken ultimately struggling with this is what is my purpose? What is my place? What does it all mean? Like, and death often is the spark that starts people thinking about this. At, at some point in your life, you think, man, like, you start asking these bigger questions like is is there anything am i worth anything can i do anything what have i meant for what does it all mean those yeah. are the existential questions um so wh what do you see like how does how does barbie like suffering kind of kicks this off yeah. like she didn't have any suffering yeah. and then suffering kicks off these existential questions right. um how does she what what are her answers what what does she find through this movie yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, cellulite can do that to you, right? Like all of a sudden <laughs> you don't look picture perfect and your yeah. heels aren't made, your, your feet aren't made for those heels. Mm -hmm. That's a rough realization. Um, yeah. yeah. So that kicks off her suffering. And I think, I think that's ultimately a really good place to be, right? Like that's mm -hmm. hard. But when Barbie reaches that point of questioning her life and her existence, she gets on this, the whole movie, the whole journey, um, which is painful at many points, right? But but ultimately, I think it's very good for her. So where does she find meaning? Um, well, <laughs> I guess ultimately, I don't know if you want to go all the way to the end right away, but... Sure. Um, yeah, spoilers, by the way. <laughs> spoilers. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess she finds it in in that real embrace the embrace of reality, right? Which includes mm. suffering, which includes pain, but it also yeah. includes a lot of joy and friendship. She goes back with Gloria, right? And her daughter. Mm. And it's, it's this kind of beautiful sense of family, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and she, I think, finds fulfillment and meaning in, in those purposeful relationships and, and her quest to find a purpose, right? She's yes. not just purposeless in Barbie land. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me 
it, it reminds me somewhat of the Genesis story in, mm. in a few ways, the, the story of Adam and Eve, and they're made in this perfect world, and they're the pinnacle of creation. They're given dominion over the, the whole world, and then through sin, mm. they're corrupted. And we, we don't really see a fall from grace in this movie, but it is kind of like this paradise, paradise lost, and mm -hmm. then kind of a redemption yeah. arc. And some of the things that she experiences as like the results of the fall are, are, are very similar to, to Eve. Like one, she starts it, like it, God says in Genesis, like if you eat that fruit, like it's going to cause you to die. Like that is a result of sin is this not just physical death, but a spiritual death, this separation from others that separates you from God. It separates you from, from Adam. And what's the first thing that they do is after they sin, Adam and Eve is they hide themselves, right? They clothe themselves before they were naked without shame. And now they're ashamed. And all of a sudden Barbie is like, Oh, I, I have cellulite now for the first time ever. She's ashamed of her body. She's, she's, wanting to cover herself in a way she never had to, to worry about before. And something else that it says is a result of sin in the book of Genesis is an enmity, like an animosity mm. between man and woman. It says, you know, for, for women, you're, you're going to have this urge for your husband. You're going to desire your husband, but he's going to lord his authority over you. He's going to have this unfair kind of patriarchal, you could mm -hmm. even say, um, power over you and so mm -hmm. you see her experiencing what christians would describe as these are the results of the fall this inequality combative relationship between the sexes where it's a power struggle yep. rather than as god designed it a complementarity where you're the what is what are the wife and the husband supposed to be for each other they're supposed to be helpers for each other right yeah uh, there that's n none of them was a suitable uh, uh, god says of the animals with adam none of them was a suitable partner well, none of them was a suitable helper for the man they're supposed to work together despite their differences and because of their differences but rather what we see often in reality and in the barbie movie is this animosity this fighting yeah. right um yeah. and i think um that gets us into kind of an interesting question about feminism in this movie because mm. a lot in a way that the key struggle in this movie is put as it's a struggle between the barbies and the kens mm -hmm. it's barbie versus ken and ken versus barbie and who's gonna win um i'm, I'm wondering if you, <laughs> do, do the women you work with do you do you find they they have this concern <laughs> do they do they see men as as the enemy you know is, Oh, Mike, we are we are dipping into so much, uh, <laughs> such deep territory here. Um, yeah. I guess just kind of starting starting with the movie, um, I just felt very sad. I felt really mm. sad watching this battle of the sexes. Mm. Sure, were there fun parts in the musical number? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, clever, fun, silly. Okay, but when you actually go deeper, it made me so incredibly sad. I mean, one of my friends said, watching the movie she goes I just felt bad for any man I'd ever loved or known mm. or cared about right and it was just like yeah like it was really sad and you know that gets into more Ken stuff but this battle like why does it have to be a battle why can't there be complementarity why can't there be genuine admiration and support for each other mm. um why does it have to just keep flipping back and forth and I think you ask about the girls you know our girl to girls or friends or young women it's it's interesting. I think some women can get to that point, right? Mm -hmm. um, we see this really strong narrative and really strong defense against the patriarchy, right? Mm -hmm. You can look at that as on a societal level and on a human level, personally. Why are women so angry at men? Mm -hmm. 
we've been hurt, right? Like women have been hurt. And so when Barbie feels that hurt, when she comes back, what's that scene? They, Ken's like taken over, you know, he, yeah. he, he loved her. He cared about her sort of, I guess. And Barbie land yeah. comes back and, and the Ken's have taken over and he's macho and he's like, he, he doesn't care for her at all. And he, in fact, he flips that on her, right? He says, nope, tonight's boys night. You're not welcome. Uh-huh. Right. And there's ho- there's horses everywhere. There are horses everywhere. <laughs> it's like a whole thing, but Barbie is crushed, right? She's mm-hmm. so hurt by Ken, who is supposed to love her and care for her and all mm-hmm. of that, right? Now, you can make the argument, she didn't love Ken and, and care for him in the beginning. He was so hurt. So what did he do? He yeah. got revenge, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think um, feminism and the patriarchy come, can come out in their worst forms mm-hmm. when there's so much hurt and there's so much pain that neither party is willing to like truly address the hurt and truly be vulnerable about that. And then the other party comes in with a genuine apology and a, and a yes. desire to, to move forward with a lot of love. Mm-hmm. And, and the lim- kind of the limited reconciliation Barbie and Ken have at the end is because they're able to have a conversation mm. and like speak honestly to each mm-hmm. other. And like Ken kind of breaks down and he's oh, crying yeah. and um, it, it's a very, it's a very tender scene, but what I think falls short there is ultimately at the end, even though they, they've kind of placed, the, they, they've, they've kind of realized we don't, we don't need to fight. The answer is, all right, well, Ken, you're going to go do your thing. And Barbie, I'm going to go do my thing. It's a very individualistic view yeah. of happiness. Yeah. I think that to be happy, what you really need is, you know, lots, lots of friends mm-hmm. um, to do fun, lots of fun friends, really. And <laughs> you need to have like, power and like professional accomplishment and, and those sorts of things. And kind of that, the, the idea that motherhood often kind of gets in the way romance and men kind of get in the way of you really being happy and, and, and doing everything you're supposed to. There's a, a, a line that um, I think Ruth, the, the creator of Barbie mm-hmm. says at the end where, you know, we mothers stand still so that our daughters can run or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that really rubbed me the wrong way. It was like, why is it that being a mother is standing still? Like mm-hmm. I, I was, I was having a conversation with one of my friends the other day who I've, I've known since college. And she was just, we were talking about spiritual things in our spiritual life. And she was saying to me, man, I just wish I was living more radically for Jesus. I wish I was just, I was doing more. And I looked at her and I said, you are homeschooling your six children. <laughs> Like, like, why do you not see that as like doing, like you are living totally radically in a countercultural way, like just making such a difference. And like, I've met her kids many times and they're incredible. They're awesome kids. Like, I can't think of anything that she could be doing to be making a bigger difference in the world. But for some reason, and this isn't a criticism of, of, of her and she didn't take it that way. You know, we can Fred second kind of Josh her a little bit. Um, But she's like, you know. You're right. Like that is a radical choice, but we, we, we often don't see it that way. And so I, I think that what Barbie misses out on in terms of happiness is that deep relationship, yeah. romantic relationship, children, family, those actually contribute in our, in a lot, some ways necessary to happiness, right? Like you need to have passion in your life, not necessarily romantic passion with someone of the opposite sex, but you need to have that. You you need to have those deeper relationships. And like, ultimately, like 
Ken or whoever the, the, the guy is like, that could be a springboard for you. Like me and my sure. wife, like we don't hold each other back from our dreams. Like mm-hmm. we do our best to support each other in our yeah. dreams. Like I couldn't do this podcast and, you know, travel all over the country speaking and doing stuff. If my wife wasn't supporting that and holding it down and she couldn't have gone to nurse practitioner school, if I hadn't been supporting her and holding things down, like we, we yeah. support each other in doing this things. It's not a competition. We, we complement each other and we support each other because we're on the same team. And I think that is, is missing ultimately from the resolution of the Barbie movie. Um, totally, totally. I have so much to say here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, with Ken and Barbie, kind of having that tender moment, having a vulnerable coming together, it's ultimately, I found, unsatisfactory, right? Mm. Um, I think, what does Barbie say to Ken? She's like, you, you need to figure out who you are without me, right? Which part of that I, I resonate with, right? Like yeah, that, sure. That's great. Yes, he does need to find his identity. He does need to know that ultimately he's a son of God, right? That is his ultimate identity Mm -hmm. and he can discover who he is, go have a great career, whatever he wants. At the same time, why does that identity have to be distinct from her? Why does it have to be these two multiple lanes? Now, again, I really do have to caveat. This is not to say that women do, do not have a choice. I believe that vehemently, right? That, yeah. You know, just because Ken loved Barbie does not mean that Barbie has to love this particular Ken, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. However, um, wouldn't it be great, right? Like, wouldn't it be so beautiful if, like you just described with you and your wife, what if Barbie and Ken did support each other in their dreams? What if he did support her going to the real world? What if he came with her, you know? And what if they, you know, started a family or started a business or traveled the world, right? There's so many beautiful opportunities for that. And I think you're right. We as a society, I think, look at marriage and kids as this ending point, right? Like, I got to go live my life, have all the adventures, travel, be successful, and then settle. It's like, mm. no, why do you have to settle? Yeah. Why can't you like live that life and live that adventure together? Um, so I just found that just kind of sad and disappointing. And ultimately, when she goes to the real world, I thought that was very heroic of her. Like, I loved it. I love that Barbie chose pain, suffering, and joy in reality. But if there were going to be a a Barbie part two, I don't know if there will be, she's going to go through the same existential crisis here in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The speaking, this makes me think of one of the key songs in the movie is the Indigo Girls Closer to Fine, which may be a little bit before your time. But I, I, again, as I said, my brothers had these these albums when I was growing up, so I've heard all these. But the lyrics are all about searching for meaning. I went to the doctor. I went to the fountain. I, I looked for the children. I drank from the uh, – I went to the mountain. I listened to the priests. Like I did all these things to try to find meaning. And what I discovered is there's more than one answer mm. to these questions drawn in a crooked line. And the less I seek my source for some definitive, the closer I am to find. Basically meaning like there isn't one answer out there. And actually the less I obsess about it, the happier I am. The less I think I have to find one answer, the happier I am. Now, caveat, I think there is such a thing as like obsessing and like you can't like, especially if you have depression and anxiety, you can like fixate on these and you need to really, from a Catholic perspective, we would say trust in God's providence that even Mm -hmm. if you don't understand that all he's got it, but as Christians, we fundamentally have to reject that view that no, you don't just, the best way to get through life is not by ignoring these existential questions, but by seeking the author of truth. And we find our identity, not alone as an individual, as our society often says, but in relationship and not just in relationship with one another, but in relationship with God, 
our identity is communal. Our identity is spiritual. It's we're meant to receive our identity from God, as you said, as a beloved son or a beloved daughter, like that's discovering our identity. That's our first identity. And that doesn't change from person to person. That's all of us. There is one answer to that question. You are a beloved child of God. There's not multiple answers to that question where some people are beloved children of God and other people aren't. No, there's one answer to that question. If you think differently, you're mistaken, right? Like, so if you feel like you're not worth something, like there's good news that you're wrong in that because you are beloved. You are a child of God. Um, And so that's where I think that song really falls short is there's sometimes there is an answer, you know, right? We can discuss them and we can, you know, uh, we're never going to know all the answers, but ultimately there is a way, a truth in the life and his name is Jesus Christ. And that, that doesn't mean we need to pound people over the head and force conversions and that sort of thing. But it does mean that we have a responsibility as for those of us who are Christians to live with such radical love and freedom that it catches fire, right? That it's contagious, that other people look at us in the way we live our lives and they say, man, how is Liz homeschooling her six kids and yet have such joy? How is she, what does she have that I don't have? Because I just feel all this pressure because I have cellulite and whatever, you know? <laughs> and we as Christians, that's what's supposed to ha- happen. We're, the way we're supposed to spread joy across the, or spread Christ across the world is not by, you know, having all the right answers and crushing people in debates and owning atheists and YouTubes, like, right? That's not the way. It's by living with the joy of Christ and the love of Christ that makes people stop and say, that's what I want. That's the sort of life I want to live is with that sort of love and that sort of freedom. Totally. And, and I think when we do embrace our identity as daughters and sons of God, which is a journey, that is such a journey to discover that, right? I don't think we can just wake up one day and just know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a beautiful journey to figure that out and receive that love. It's very mm-hmm. hard. It's very hard in the real world when you've been hurt, when you've gone through yeah. a lot of trials and sufferings to actually believe, oh, my God does love me. And he does think I'm worthy of a beautiful life. That is very difficult, right? And so I think when we get to that point and really, really it's an ongoing journey for the rest of our lives Mm -hmm. and we know our source and our identity, that fulfillment and our our purpose and passion can then come out really creatively, right? So Mm -hmm. if Liz is homeschooling her six kids, that's a beautiful life and passion for her. If another mom is running a $6 billion company while she's also raising the kids or has one kid or whatever, that's also beautiful for her. No kids, right? Like, or, or women and men in different avenues of life. I think when we understand that divine filiation, that we are children of God, the purpose and passion can be the most creative thing. What does Catherine F. Sienna say? She, she goes, um, be who God meant you to be and you'll set the world on fire, right? Mm. That, that he has a beautiful, distinct plan for each of us. And it's so filled with purpose and it's so beautiful that we don't have to fit one specific narrative. Can you say that quote again? <laughs> sure. St. Catherine of Siena said, be who God meant you to be and you'll set the world on fire. And you will set the world on fire. That's awesome. Be who God meant you to be. And I, I think I think that understanding of, of like calling and vocation, in some ways it's represented in this movie because mm-hmm. there's all the different Barbies, right? Like there's President sure, Barbie and stereotypical sure. Barbie. Yeah. Like they all kind of have their own thing that they're doing and they like yeah. celebrate and respect each other for that. But in another way, 
the, the, the monologue you read at the beginning that Gloria says is mm-hmm. she's like, I feel like there is this perfect model of what a woman is supposed to be and I have to be everything. And what God tells us is, no, you don't have to be everything. You can be a lot of things. And you know, some parts of your vocation may change over time. Like right now, I'm, I'm largely a stay-at-home dad. I quit my day job and now I'm doing ministry. That changed for a while, but sure. our vocation doesn't have to be everything. We're called to specific things and specific times, and some things we're called to for a lifetime. Yes. So I think a sense of vocation could have really helped Ken, could have really helped Barbie in that sense of belovedness, because what is the core struggle for both of them? They just want to be loved. They want to be able to receive that love, as you said, like, Ken just wants Barbie to pay attention to him as and kind of the, the the Gen Z slang, they'd call him a simp, right? Because he's just trying, hey Barbie, hey Barbie, you see how good I am at beaching Barbie? You see how good I am at dancing Barbie? Like they're just trying to get his oh, attention. And, and and she's right to say, you have to find who you are oh, a without thousand percent. me. Because yes. men and women who f- try to find meaning only in their partner and change only for them, that is a path to misery and destroying your relationship because only God can do that. Right. And then once you are able to be that, that complete person, then that relationship can be healthy and you can help each other and you find your identity, um, even in each other, but it it can't start from a place of insecurity. Love me, love me, love me. I want to read the end of that monologue at the end. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman out there tie herself into knots so that people will like us. The core struggle for Barbie and for Ken and for many of us is, am I loved? Am I lovable? Am I capable of being loved? And the answer from our Lord is yes. Not only are you capable of being loved, but you were meant for love. You were made for love and your purpose and your meaning is love, not just to receive it, but to give it. And when we're able to receive that through prayer, through the sacraments, through a healthy church community, through our relationships with other people, it, it makes such a difference. Like, yeah, absolutely. I would like, that's why, that's why things like girl talk are, are so important. And we, and we need, we need men's fellowships like that as, as well. Yeah, and so many sure. of us just, just like you said, so many women feel alone. So many of us feel so isolated and alone in this world. And I think that's why so many of us struggle with depression and anxiety and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There, there's so much there. We are absolutely made for love and belonging. And, you know, and you have, you have secular voices saying that Brene Brown and, and it just so fits. I think it's so powerful. It so fits our, our deepest identity and, and our faith and everything. Um, and I want to talk about that scene, come back to the scene with um, meeting the creator. Um, if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah. Yo, let's go there. Um, so, so Ruth, uh, Ruth Handler, the, who's, you know, the creator of Barbie, the doll, um, has such a powerful scene at the end with Barbie, right? Where Barbie kind of meets her creator. And um, there was so much there. I thought it was so beautiful in so many ways, right? Um, you know, Barbie says, well, you're the creator. Don't you control me? When she's mm. kind of like questioning what to do next. And and Ruth says, of course not. You know, like you, you don't need my permission. Um, I can't control you more than I can control my own daughter. And, and that, that made me think of such a beautiful aspect of, of freedom and how God really does give us so much freedom, um, to choose a direction in life. And, um, there's a quick story. Um, some of you may know Andreas Widmer. He was a Swiss guard for JP two and, um, this awesome businessman. And, and he was an amazing mentor of mine. And, and he always tells this story of, um, 
on business trips, he would go away and, and get a bunch of paints or crayons for his little boy. And um, he'd come home and he'd say, here are all the paints, here are all the papers, you know, and his son would say, daddy, what do you want me to draw you? And he would say, oh, whatever you want, whatever you want, you can draw me whatever you want. And, and so his son would think about it and, and go back and try to figure something out to draw for a dad. And, and he would always say, I didn't care what he drew, but what did I care? What did I care about? And the answer was always that he drew it for him, right? That he drew mm. it for his daddy. Um, but Andreas would have loved anything he drew, right? Because his son made yeah. it. So I think there's such a beautiful, that, that scene with, with uh, Ruth reminded me of that freedom. Um, but going back to what you said about the relationship and the love, where I would have, where I kind of thought, mm, this is different from our real creator in that scene. Um, when she, she sees her and she goes, oh, I thought you were going to look like me kind of, right? And she goes, I'm not a, you know, a 5'11 blonde, whatever. Look at me. I'm this little short girl, whatever. Funny. But the difference is that our God, our creator did create us in his own image and likeness, right? He mm -hmm. did make us just like himself. And here he was, this perfection. He wasn't trying to make up for anything with us. He had it all. He has it all, right? Yeah. And he so beautifully gave us this life and love and, and an ability to be like him. And, you know, he's the Trinity, right? There's a relationship. It's a mystery, but God is love. He is relationship. Mm -hmm. And so for us, why do we keep hitting those existential walls because we are trying to do it alone. We're trying to go on that yeah. one person path. And it's, it's, we are made to be in love and in relationship with others. That's how we yes. are like God. Especially when we're in pain and we're suffering. And we, we've talked about that conversation that Barbie and Ken are able to have that that's hard and it hurts and it's awkward, mm -hmm. but it's so necessary. And that's something that I have come to see in my years of ministry. And I think that's why the sacrament of confession is so important. But I also think that's why counseling and therapy mm -hmm. is so important because so many of us, the lessons we learned from our families was that's not something we talk about. No, we got to keep this perfection. We got to keep up this facade, just like Gloria talks about. We got to, we got to look perfect. We got to hold it together. I got to be the perfect family. I got to be the perfect son, daughter, whatever. Got to be the perfect employee. And that's something that you can find in good friends, in a good relationship with the spiritual director or, mm -hmm. or a priest who you go to confession for. That's something you can find in a therapist. And, and I think just about everybody needs to see a therapist at some point to be able to say, like, here's everything that's going on. And it, especially if you are someone who hasn't, has had trouble having those conversations, important conversations, but hard conversations with the people closest to you. Yeah. A therapist can teach you, one, how not to need their validation, just like, Ken needs to learn not to need Barbie's validation, mm -hmm. but also how to have those conversations in a productive way. So it is the two of us working together, not you and me fighting each other. We're on the same team working towards the problem. Yeah. So I think that's, that's really, really beautiful, that, that relationship. And it, especially when it comes to suffering and our mental health, that's where we need to bring people in more. And, and, and one of my friends said to me one time, that, you know, I thought I'd done everything. There was some problem in his life he was going through. He's like, I thought I'd done everything. I was trying so hard, trying so hard, trying so hard. And then I realized the one thing I hadn't done was reach out to other people for help. I was trying to do it all by myself. Yeah. So I hadn't done anything. In fact, there was a lot of stuff I hadn't done. I hadn't brought this to somebody who could really help me. And so mm -hmm. listeners, if you're out there and you are feeling like you're in a situation where you just don't know what to do, um, the answer might be if you haven't tried this, you know, 
a therapist, a priest, a friend, maybe all of the above, <laughs> you know, yeah. wise spiritual mentors. So often it can seem like a brick wall and just opening up to some people, all of a sudden you start to see some paths forward, some difficult paths forward, but some paths forward. So. Yeah, absolutely. Brene Brown says that um, if you put uh, shame in a Petri dish, you know, when you have mm. so much shame, we're going through something really difficult and we feel like we're the only ones and we're crazy and it's so hard. And how could I possibly be in this situation? I messed up. I'm a mess. This is so wrong. If we put that shame in a Petri dish and we cover mm. it up, the shame grows and it, and it, and it multiplies, right? And it's, and we're, we're covered in it and we can't function anymore. Yes. But, oh my gosh. Right. If you put shame in a petri dish and you open it up and you expose it, right. And then you douse that shame with empathy. You open up to someone, you allow them to be empathetic. You, they listen to you. Your friends love you. Right. If you douse shame and empathy, it loses its power. Right. Mm. So I, I would agree with you. And I think, I think there's so much value to therapy. I am so proud of therapy. Um, and you can search to find like some really good solid therapists and people who, you know, can understand and support your worldview. Um, and even before that, I know therapy can seem like a really big daunting task, especially if you have this existential crisis going on. Like, how do I even get to there? Um, I would say, just like you mentioned, just to open up to a friend, right? Like if you have yeah. any Barbie thoughts, have you ever thought about death? Or, oh, I'm noticing my cellulite or, oh, my feet aren't perfect or, or Ken wants to stay over and I don't know how I feel about that. You know, <laughs> any questions you have in your life, open up to a trusted friend and, um, and have those conversations. And I think being with each other in relationship and friendship is, is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think all of those are important because sometimes it's great to, to talk to a family member or a friend and they can have great empathy for you. But also sometimes you need an outside person like a counselor because one, your friends are not trained in mental health. Yeah. Two, your friends and family, a lot of times they're too close to the situation, right? Yeah. Like if I go to talk to my brother about issues with my mom or my dad, their response might be like, how dare you talk to mom or sure. dad about that? Or like, sure. what about me? Like a lot of times yeah. they're too close and that the yeah. value of an outside person like a therapist is like, they're totally Absolutely. removed from this. They don't have a stake other than to help you. They're 100% there for you, Absolutely. right? And there's somebody who in their vocation feels called to help people in this way. So yeah. um, I think that that is a really beautiful gift. I want to talk uh, about Gloria, who okay. is the mom, mm. who's, who is a creator in the Mattel company and her, her thoughts get into Barbie, like her depressed thoughts get into Barbie. And uh, really, I feel like the movie is more about her than it is about Barbie. And I think it's interesting that while there are some negative images and of motherhood like they have i think her name is mid she's like the pregnant neighbor to barbie and it's like yeah. but we never made that because that's not any fun we don't want to know but who wants to play with a pregnant doll it's just creepy mm. but fundamentally this story is about a mom and her daughter right that's fundamentally what the the core of this story yeah. and that's why we started with that monologue is yeah. it's about real women and she she says at one point um i'm just I'm just a boring mom with a boring job and a daughter who hates me. And she just feels like she's disappointing everyone, everywhere, even herself. And uh, so I want, I want to talk a little bit about Gloria. What, what, what do you think Gloria shows us that uh, about women? Like what in her struggle, what in, what in her journey can, can people relate to? Oh my gosh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> she's lonely. 
Gloria is lonely, right? She's a boring mom with a boring job with a daughter who hates her. She is so alone in her struggle. Also, where's her husband? I take a lot of issue with the husband narrative there. I really do. I, I got to so say. So checked out. So checked out. And they make him look so stupid. That drives me so nuts. Um, but she's lonely. She, she doesn't have the support, emotional support of her husband. She Her daughter hates her, right? She's She's just kind of going to work and she's alone, sitting there drawing pictures of depressed Barbie, you know? And it's like... What do women have to, to learn from that? My gosh, like one, I guess, solidarity in that struggle, right? Again, back to, back to Girl Talk, why we all started. This is still a crisis we're facing every day, right? That we feel alone. Um, our friends aren't always around. Our family isn't always around. And we were so craving that, that love and belonging. Um, I think a lot of moms, right? We hear this in mom talk all the time that they are just drowning in kids who they love, but it's also really hard and mm -hmm. no one else gets it. But then when they get together with other moms, oh my gosh, you're struggling the same way. Or like, can we just go to a park or can you, can, can you come over to my house? And like, also please just don't judge me because it's a mess. And it's like, you need those friends to be like, you don't have to clean to the nines to have real relationship, to have a good encounter with each other. And um, I think we're so used to becoming, being that perfectionist, person um that we're losing sight of of the relationship so i think it's totally about a mom and, and gloria was just lonely and and why'd she have such a beautiful storyline in the end is, is she she found that community she was she and her daughter did reconnect right she, mm -hmm. she did go back to the real world with barbie they kind of had this new family there there was so much beauty there mm -hmm. yeah and I, I, at one point she does say, and, and at one point it's okay to be a mom, which I was like, okay, that's good. At least they said it <laughs> because there are kind of a lot of anti-motherhood views, which, which I understand. I get that for a long time in human history and in and, and, and this country, the narrative was, okay, woman, get married, have kids, stay at home. That's what you get to do. And that's the only thing you get to do. Maybe you could be like a secretary or a nurse. And if you're not married by 25 and you're a spinster, then maybe, maybe you can have a career, you know, but, uh, that, that was kind of the narrative for a long yeah. time. So I understand the pushback against that sure. from feminists, sure. but I, I think in this movie, it, it the anti-motherhood thing does, does hit pretty hard. And I think, I think it's good that they said, you know, it is okay to be a mother. And again, that Gloria and her daughter, the two of them, like they are, I, I think like the crux of this movie For and sure. it's, it's really beautiful to see. So I don't think the movie is like totally anti-motherhood, sure. but I think, I think there's, that's part of the conversation going on. here. I, I think, think so. Yeah. I, I think that you could argue that it is right. Cause even us were saying, yeah. oh, it's really all about a mom. Like maybe they yeah. are pro mother, you know, like, and I think that's what the movie does. There were so many mixed messages. You, you could take it any way you want, but I agree. There is a lot of like motherhood you can definitely hear that message, especially the smash and the babies, all of that, like what is going on there? Um, but looking at the positive light of it, I think it's so beautiful that Gloria and her daughter reconnect and that even her daughter like sees her and looks at her with awe when she's sharing that monologue with Barbie, you know, and all the Barbies are kind of like waking up and coming back to who they really are. She's speaking such truth. Um, her daughter admires her and, and she sees so much light in her. I, I think that's, that's really beautiful. Something that I ask my guests at the end of the episode is what could be something like a one takeaway that you're carrying with you away from this conversation? Like what's one thing we've talked about that has really touched your heart that you, you think is kind of a key point that we need to remember leaving this conversation? Just one. I can only get one. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> one. Yeah. 
um, I would say to, to always seek, um, mm. to always seek your purpose and meaning in this world. I think Barbie and Ken and Gloria uh, really lived that out in the film. And that's something that we can take away um, that God has made us for a, for a special purpose. He has made us as his sons and daughters. Um, and with that identity, we can, we can live a beautiful life and, and find a lot of fulfillment in this world. What if there's suffering, Julie? Can I still find fulfillment even if there's suffering? No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's, that's a beautiful part of it too, as we're seeking that, that meaning and purpose that when we encounter suffering to accept it, right? This is something I mm. see in my, my clients, myself. Um, suffering is the hardest thing, right? We, we, are, we don't want it. We try to run away. We try to escape all the time. Um, I had a friend who say, if God wanted to, he could have made the way to heaven uh, going to the beach, <laughs> but he didn't. He, he made it the cross. And so we all have this cross. We all have to pick up our cross and it can be very painful and it also can be very fruitful. And I think like mm. Barbie, when we embrace the suffering, that's when mm. we can find that true joy. I just had an image as you were speaking of Beach Ken laying down his <laughs> surfboard and picking up a cross and like walking up the sand dune. <laughs> Fighting with the other Ken, which yeah. cross is heavier. Yeah. By, by, by the way, that scene where they're all fighting and then like a minute later, they're friends. That is so yeah. true of being That's a man. Great. Like we, sometimes we just need to work out our aggression. They're like, okay, we're buds now. <laughs> like it's totally realistic. Love it. Um, so the other, so I, I want to dig in a little bit here. I know you said you were wrapping it up, but you said something that, that piqued my interest. When we talk about embracing our cross, when we talk about accepting suffering. What do you mean by that? Cause I, I feel like some people could do that in kind of a self-destructive way where it's mm. like, all right, well, my, my husband, my husband is abusive or doesn't ever listen to me. I guess I just need to accept it and mm -hmm. struggle through mm -hmm. and just like take it mm. upon myself. What, what would you say to someone in, in that situation? Sure. Um, really easy questions I'm asking. Gosh, you here. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, uh, that's what I mean. It's the hardest, right? Um, no, I think there's, no, I don't think it's, it's a matter of struggling through and just like, um, God calls us to, to love others as we love ourselves. So in order mm. to love others, we first must love ourselves. Right. So yes. what does that self-respect look like? What does that self-compassion look like? If, if anyone, if a husband, if a friend, if, if whoever is treating me poorly, that is not incorrect order with the way God has designed the world and the way he, the vision he has for my life. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I think when you get into the really hard things like abuse and all of that, absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> like, are mm -hmm. we supposed to just endure that in that way? However, whatever that particular cross is that God gives us, um, when I say embrace it to embrace it with kind of like holding the cross, like firmly on your shoulders, you know, and, and yeah. saying, okay, this is my struggle. And do I need to get the kids out of the house for their protection? Yeah. That's also embracing the cross. Do I need to, yeah. mm -hmm. do I need to call uh, someone who's really disrespecting me and like tell them what that really means? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's embracing it really quick. I had a, I had a client um, going through a really difficult divorce and oh my goodness, I, I felt my heart just went out to her beyond. 
Um, and she was really rightly so understandably struggling. What's the right decision? How do I act? What do I do with the house? What do I do with the dog? What do I do with him? I still love him. Like all these things. Right. And she came in one day and I was just blown away. And she was just like, you know what? I decided that I'm a daughter of God. God loves me. And whatever I do in this situation, right? I was like, yes, so proud. She goes, whatever I do in this situation, he will, he will guide me through. He will give me this grace. He already is. And I'm going to be firm with my husband and I'm going to tell him what's on the table. I'm going to tell him how I really feel. I'm going to tell him how he's been acting. I'm going to tell him the whole situation. And she was just so firm in herself and loving at the same time mm-hmm. that it really, you know, we, we wanted the best for their marriage, but also at the end, it didn't actually matter that his decision with that, it was her realization of her love and her identity as a daughter of mm-hmm. God. And then, and embracing that suffering there, but doing it with joy. Um, mm-hmm where she really found her fulfillment and and purpose there. Yeah, that's beautiful. Like recognizing, you know what? I am a daughter of God and a daughter of God should not be treated this way. Mm-hmm. And so like, not only is that is that disrespectful to me, but it's disrespectful to God. And actually, because you are also made in the image of God, it's disrespectful yeah. for you if Absolutely. I'm not calling you out on this. Right? Absolutely. And so I, I kind of want to connect this back to feminism, which we were talking about before, because I think because feminism has so often been connected to abortion, Catholics initially kind of have a gut reaction against feminism and mm-hmm. be like, Oh, it's just anti-mother it's anti-child. Mm-hmm. And it's, and mm-hmm. I think some of that critique is, is legit, but sure. John Paul II, who was our, our Pope two popes ago, who, who your friend was Swiss guard, you know, like yes, secret service yes, protection yes. for, um, he <laughs> talked in his, he, he wrote a lot about sexuality and, and even womanhood. And he talked about the feminine genius and the value of women. And he said, we need a new feminism. And we talked about this a lot in our hands made tale episode, which we did, um, with Sam from Femme Catholic. And the the difference between John Paul II and the second's feminism and like common feminism is one, he sees this complementary between yes. complementarity between the sexes that we are all on the mm-hmm. same team and that, but also he recognizes that there are real grievances yes. and there are real pains and like oppressions yes. that women have gone through. Whereas mm-hmm. like more standard feminism, which I think I think kind of comes out of ideas of Marxism and the oppressor versus mm-hmm. the oppressed mm-hmm. and the bourgeoisie mm-hmm. versus the proletariat and just kind of sees everything in this binary, either you're a have yes. and a have not. And you see Barbie and Ken struggling with that throughout. And I think John Paul II recognizes like, yeah, sometimes there's a time where justice needs to happen and there's injustice and you need to fight it mm-hmm. and you need, but fundamentally, fundamentally, we are not divided. Fundamentally, yes. we're on the same team. So that's not really a solution. The revolution is not ultimately the solution. It's the cooperation, the complementarity coming together. And that's the way Jesus was, right? Like Jesus didn't come in and say, all right, I'm king of the Jews. We're kicking out the Romans. Mm -hmm. No, he came in and said, the real problem is sin. And so I'm going to heal even the Roman centurion's servant. I'm going to preach to Gentiles. He had a different sort of war he was fighting. And we as, as, as Catholic feminists, as John Paul II feminists, if you're comfortable mm. using that terminology, <laughs> we need to be not be fighting man versus woman and woman versus man, but man and woman together against sin for the love of God and for the kingdom. And if we have that sort of vision together, accompanying each other, right? Barbie didn't go into the real world alone. We go together with each other. And sometimes you got to throw down, but ultimately it's about reconciliation <laughs> moving forward, you know? Um, so 
That's beautiful. That's beautiful, Mike. I I agree. And it is. And John Paul II did have such a beautiful view of femininity Mm -hmm. um, with the both and, right? Not just the haves and the haves nots, but it's the both and. There is suffering and joy. And quite often those go together. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Anything else you say before I close this out in prayer? Oh, I, I just, I love this. And I think, um, no matter how we thought about Barbie, there, there's so much we can, we can gain from the movie, but, um, really grateful for this conversation and diving deeper into our, our truest identity. Me too. And, uh, well, let's, let's pray. And then I want you to tell us a little bit about where people can find you and stuff. So awesome. listeners, wherever you are, let's take a moment to pause and let's pray in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God. We love you. Maybe we're struggling to love you. Maybe we're in a place of doubt or questioning, or maybe we're in a place of anger and animosity. Maybe we've drifted far from you. Maybe we don't believe in you anymore. Lord, I ask your spirit to come into each one of our hearts and each one of our minds to give us openness, to receive your love and to receive your spirit that we could see ourselves as beloved women and men, daughters and sons of you and brothers and sisters of one another and that you would fill us with a sense of worth, a sense of acceptance, a sense of belovedness, that we don't just need to go around making people like us, that we would serve you and not just the people around us, Lord, that you would call us to our vocations, that you would open our hearts to prayer, that you would draw us to prayer so that we can hear your voice clearly, Lord, and that you would help us to be gentle with ourselves, gentle with one another, and that you would help us to be the women and men that we are called to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Julie, thank you so much for your wisdom, for your witness, for the work that you're doing with Girl Talk. Uh, tell the people where they can find out more about you and what you're doing. <laughs> Great, of course. Um, so you can find us on our website. It's ourgirltalk.org. And then on Instagram, we're also ourgirltalk.org or our girl talk. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can find us there um, and then more resources and podcast episodes and articles and all of that. Um, so yeah, we'd love to have um, you pop in and just continue to build our sisterhood of self-worth. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. You are the perfect person to have on this discussion. I'm really <laughs> glad that uh, we were able to make this happen. Awesome. Listeners, if this episode touched you, if it made you think, if it just you enjoyed it and there's somebody else that you think might enjoy this, the best way you can help us is by sending this episode to somebody. Just share them a link in a text or send them a screenshot and say, hey, I really think you would appreciate listening to this. And that's the way this, this show grows. And also it's a way that you can spread a little bit of God's love today. So that's my, my challenge for you. If you want to go deeper and really help us out, you can go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron and support all the shows here at Awaken Catholic and make sure that this show uh, can keep producing high quality and even higher quality episodes and content for years to come. This is the last episode of season three. We've been doing this for three years. We're we're over 250,000 downloads. We've been growing a ton. Thank you so much for that. We're going to take a break for the month of October. We'll be off for about four to six weeks and we'll be back in November. I'm about to go out to Bowling Green, Ohio to the the Awaken Catholic Studios, be filming a bunch of new episodes. I'm really excited for what we got going on. So stay tuned. If you miss us in the next month, I encourage you to go back and listen to old episodes, especially if this is your first time here. We got a 
bunch of other stuff on this topic uh, about feminism. We've talked with about Britney Spears and Beyonce and The Handmaid's Tale and Bridgerton and all sorts of things, Cardi B. So go back and there, there's a lot more where this came from if, if you liked it. So I especially want to give a shout out to our patrons who support this show, especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Steve and Maggie Hubbard, Tom and Emily Camberiotti, and Darlene and Jay. McCaffrey. Thank you so much, listeners. We will see you in a couple months in November 2024, the beginning of season four. We love you a lot. Jesus loves you more. Take care.